0: A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific
1: time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. And the search begins for the next Flyers head coach, Chuck Fletcher Speaks, the fan base, freaks out. Let's talk about it all right now. This is the Orange and Backcheck podcast with Bill Kornfeld and Scott Weinhardt. It is episode 115 of Orange and Backcheck. As always, make sure you are subscribed to the podcast below uh, on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all that good stuff. Apple Podcasts, wherever you get it. It's all on the link below at O Backcheck on Twitter, Backcheck at gmail.com. Uh, if you have a fan question for us, if you want to discuss the press conference or have a thought on the press conference between Chuck Fletcher at the year end and uh, a guy who is going to hopefully settle us all down from jumping off the ledge, Scott Weinhardt. As always, what's going on, brother? Well, I mean, I'm about to jump off the ledge myself today because my kids are great. I
0: had a great start this morning. Let me tell you, just up there screaming and making all these kinds of noises and going, you know, interrupting well, it's, dreams. It's a- interrupting dreams that i'm having that are actually pretty nice dreams you know what i mean okay Whoa. hey now well no i i i I tell you it's weird i don't know why i'm gonna say this on 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 the pod but i had a really weird dream the other night that for whatever reason you and i were doing something in front of 200 people 200 flyers fans okay and um, so a live
1: event basically yeah yeah
0: we're doing a live event and we were we were interviewing martin jones and uh okay (laughs) we were asking him why he bartended on the weekends. (laughs) I don't know why. What? Yeah, like, I don't know why. Like, I mean, like, hey, you mentioned it was something about, like, a side gig you like to do. I don't know where the hell this all came from. I woke up and I was like, why the hell would I, why the, first of all, why the hell would an NHL goalie need to bartend? I mean, yeah. Like, second yeah. of all, why the hell am I interviewing in front of 200 people? Like, you know, so <laughs> logically when you wake up, these questions start happening. So yes. When, and that's, that's the kind of dreams I've had, which is really weird enough in the first place.
1: So. Well, you know, one of the goals for this podcast that I want to have in the over the next five years or whatever it may be, it, less depending on how big our audience gets. Like I want to have those live events with players. So maybe you were looking ahead into the future. Not yeah. necessarily Martin Jones isn't going to be that first guy. No offense to Martin, but like, mm-hmm. you know,
0: yeah, could be a thing. Yeah. Just sit there, shoot the breeze, get involved with the fans, get all nerdy about it and talk about exactly. it. I'm game up. Hell yeah, man. I'm all about it. I am all exactly, about it. but uh, you know, and I can dream about it all I want until <laughs> my kids wake me up in the goddamn morning. That's Happy right. Mother's Day to everybody.
1: Yeah, if you're listening on, on the Sunday morning that we released this, uh, happy Mother's Day to you mothers out there, especially Jen, the official mother of the podcast, unofficial mother of the podcast, uh, <laughs> Scott's wife. Uh, so, yeah, uh, happy Mother's Day to you if you celebrate or are a mother. And Heather um, as well.
0: You got a dog, so, I mean, you know. I, you it's
1: know, I i don't agree with that i'm gonna whisper this very quietly so my wife cannot hear me if you call yourself a mom a dog mom or a dog dad you need to seek professional
0: help. <laughs> please <laughs> let, let, just
1: go seek yourself help but i digress anyway <laughs> that's uh a, that's what a, also a,
0: that's an off-season conversation to have there
1: <laughs> yeah uh speaking of people that also need help it's the flyers they also need a lot of help um chuck fletcher gave his year-end press conference where he basically said i don't think he said anything too whoa i i I wonder where he's going with this um mike yo will not be the head coach of the team next year um they want to see if they can find an organizational role for him whether that is an assistant scouting department uh just a front office role whatever it may be uh no no surprise there i think the biggest surprise and i think people and i th- you maybe you'll clarify on what this may m- why we shouldn't be freaking out about it but i think the biggest thing that i took away that i was like really like you now this is when you're doing it is the idea of this is when they're making up what they're looking for in a head coach they said he's going to confer with his hockey department and figure out what they're looking for in the ideal candidate for a uh, head coach for next season Uh, for this team, because obviously that's one of the most important parts, if not the most important role, uh, that, that is vacant right now. I find it hard to believe that they don't have a profile on a guy that they are, that they want. I mean, you've heard Tortorella's name out there, uh, for a couple of weeks and and Bruce Brodeur. I've heard even, uh, of a guy that they want to try and bring in. I find it really hard to believe that he's just now putting together a profile for the coach that he wants to get.
0: I don't think it's an I think the search has been going on for a while, if you ask me. They I think more or less when he was talking about the profile, they want to build an idea, knowing where they're at right now, seeing everything they have all the way up to the last game of the season. It sounds like to me that they're just gonna get a meeting of the minds together and say, Hey, look, we have a short list here of people that we're interested in. What does our ideal coach look like? What do we want? What do, what are some of the things the things that you're looking for? So for instance, it's like building a job description and like yeah. if you're looking at this and saying what points of the job does this person need to fill what qualification they have what do we need to what are the biggest gaps on our team that this coach can fill okay we you can go back and ask all these questions from the season of you know is it you know what was the issue why why once they got down at a game they couldn't fight back is there a problem with leadership um you know those questions were asked at the end of the season and you know the young guys who are coming up. Like, how close are they to really being full time NHL talent? Like guys like Ronnie Addard, Bobby Brink, um, Noah Cates. You know, you, you ask those types of questions, wondering what is going to happen with some of these guys, and have their coach can really develop them to the point where they're good NHL players. You also want to take into consideration a guy, um, like look at other situations that are happening around the league do you want someone who's a former player like a Rod Brennamore and what he's done in Carolina? Do you want a guy who's basically just out of nowhere, who fits all the characteristics like a John Cooper? There's John Cooper really, you know, he came from, you know, minors and stuff, but he really started out in high school. He didn't, he didn't play professional hockey. So, you know, those things have matters matter as well, because that garners respect in the locker rooms. So like if you have guys who didn't play the game as much or anything that causes that can cause issues down the line. So, It really comes down to what, what you know, what as far as the qualifications they really are looking for to fill the gaps to get this team to the next level. Because really, you know, with all due respect, Mike, yo, we kind of knew he wasn't coming back, and like, and that's the thing is that he's a class guy. He did everything he could. He was straight up honest a few weeks ago saying that Scotty Bowman couldn't save this team right now. You know, and Scotty Bowman is the best coach who ever lived, probably right next to Toe Blake, but you know I I look at this situation and think in general you know they're gonna put him in the organization somewhere else which is a good thing because the players have a lot of respect for him. he just you know and that they need they need to get all together and saying what is the biggest reason that this team failed this year? what was the biggest reason because you changed coaches midseason with a different voice and it didn't work. what was missing out of it? Is it, you know, where some of the things that Mike Yo talked about, that they're chasing games, they get behind, they just can't figure it out and get going again. What how could a coach help with that? What what do what do the players need? Are we they too soft? They do all these things go into, into consideration. And I think that when you talk about like a profile. When Chuck mentioned it, we want to build out a complete profile, saying we want to check all the boxes for everything that we need because they know they have to nail it this time. Chuck knows he needs to nail it this time. His job is on the line with this one. So if this yeah. coach doesn't work out, he's gone. So, It's like, crazy that
1: it's already been four years of of Chuck Fletcher.
0: It doesn't feel like it. it yeah, because really it it's
1: like been it. through – I mean, you've been through the highest of highs and not, not the highest of highs because he didn't win the cup, but like yeah, what, some of the biggest highs going into the 1920 season – uh, that was one of the best teams that we've seen, and he kept referring back to that team because um, he compared this offseason similar to that '19 offseason that summer. Um, I don't think he's totally wrong, but like, but to the point about finding a head coach, I think the problem is, and he kind of addressed this in in the press conference is, and you just said it as well. Like, what does this team need? Does it need to find a veteran presence? Does he need to get? Is it simply once Sean Kateria and Ryan Ellis are healthy, then you have a complete squad in terms of then you can take on uh, young talent risks of even Tyson Forrester that we haven't, we didn't get to see because of his shoulder injury. So he's been rehabbing through that, but he's shown a lot of promise down in the AHL when he came back, obviously Noah Cates, Ryan Adderd or, or Ronnie Adderd and, and the like, like this is a, not just a, in one of the most important seasons, for Chuck Fletcher off seasons for Chuck Fletcher. But I mean, if he gets this wrong, it gets fired. This team is set back; is not doing the aggressive retool. It is mm-hmm. set back for mm-hmm. possibly that as budget. long as the Sixers took f- yeah. for for the process. Like that mm-hmm. is what we're talking about here. Yeah. And it is a huge problem because you then are talking about a Sean Terry that's on a contract for a long-term Ryan Ellis. that's on long-term. So it, it's, it's one of those situations where, you have to find the coach of a, of a weird balance because we our criticisms with Elaine Vigneault was not being able to, and he kind of went against it a little bit uh, or refuted it a little bit in, in trust in youth, in young players on the Flyers. He put a little bit more trust, especially with Carter Hart uh, down the line there up until, I mean, obviously the 2020, the, the season where he completely struggled in 2020 and 2021. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's almost... Like, I don't think a John Tortorella uh, helps this team. Like, no, I, I, I I, think it would not be at all. a huge mistake. And yep. and I think uh, James of high and wide even said that the only player that the rumor that he heard was the only person preventing John Tortorella from entering this locker room was Chuck Fletcher. So I think that's a good stand on Chuck Fletcher's part, if that's true. And, uh, you know, a lot of people, and I think you and I are one of the few, I think there's a handful of us that are looking at Chuck Fletcher and saying this is a mighty big risk that he's going to be taking, but I kind of trust him to get it done. Yeah. I think he has a good good grasp on what how bad this season got because, yeah, look, if you listen back to that press conference like I did, he did revert back to saying injuries were the one of the biggest – Issues that we had here and he's right, but I think he also realizes like changes have to be made, whether right. it's moving on from Sean Couture or, excuse me, from Travis connect from JVR, Martin Jones, obviously you're probably not going to re up depending on where he wants to be, what he wants to be in the NHL for the rest right. of his career. Right. So I, I, there's a part of me that wants to trust Chuck Fletcher. I just, I can't, and I, and I, or I do trust Chuck Fletcher, I should say, but. I would not be shocked if we're talking a year from now in 2023 going, holy crap, that was blew up on our face, and now we're, we're backtracking for another five years.
0: Yeah. You know, yes and no. I, I, I see your point with this, but I, you know what? I think that the way Chuck spoke is that Flyers fans wear their heart on their sleeves. Yep. And this isn't a dig to the fans, that what I'm about to say. They wear their heart on their sleeves. Sometimes you get a little too emotional about what's going on. I think that this is, that's the situation that's happening right now. Is that while they had a really rough two years and people are complaining that he reverted back to 1920 where they were only good for two months. I disagree. I thought they were better balanced. I thought they played well. Um, I thought they overall went back then that they were headed in the right direction overall as an organization. The year after that, this year, everything went to hell with all the injuries. I, I sit here and I can tell you that I I think when Chuck Fletcher speaks and he talks about the bigger vision for the team, that's what drives, that's what gets me going, is that you can see where he wants to take this thing. But you're right. Like, you know, it had, the coach is such a huge part because what killed, ultimately what killed Ron Hextall? What killed Ron Hextall for, for being the general manager of the team? What was it? What was it?
1: If I remember correctly, it was just the lack of trust in or the lack of youth development.
0: Yes. And why was that? Because they had Dave Hackstill behind the bench. Right. Yeah who, yeah. who wasn't who was not well, Dave, and you know, and Dave, you know, is is he he's a developmental guy. It wasn't enough to really get the team over over the hump at the time what the team needed. And when the team really, like, you know, was ready to take that step forward. They weren't, and ultimately, because he had he had sat himself to Dave Haxtell and said, "I'm not going to move from this. I I would. This is my guy. That's what cost him." I I give Chuck credit this year for you know looking at this with a wide lens, and you know, like right right even before he gave Vigneault a vote of comments, like, look, I want to get him a chance to get him to work out of this, but at the same time, he didn't go full he didn't you know even put all his cards on the table and with Vigneault and say hey I'm gonna ride this guy to the end and see what happens he was like you know what like you know I, I I saw some things that I was not happy about and it's time to make a change and you know if we're going to be going in this direction anyway, and we're already in trouble, we need to save the season now or fall apart with it.
1: The good thing about Chuck Fletcher is he casts a wide net. He's not identifying just one particular issue and saying, this is the focus for this, right. this off season. And he just, he knows, That's the issue. He recognizes it's not just the injuries, it's the youth talent that's not developing, it's the the veterans that are not contributing to as they should. And and, and honestly, it's one of those things where it's almost an impossible task, not an impossible task, but it's even tougher task, because if you don't have one particular issue, then you have to uh, figure out where do I allocate my resources to identify that one uh, issue? To, to fix if it's multiple issues like we're dealing with it uh, and it goes back to the aggressive retool. It's tough to buy ask fans to buy into the idea of an aggressive retool when you have not just one thing, but it's two, three or even four things that you have to fix. And that's not just a player aspect. That is a managerial and ownership uh, issue that we've talked about as well, because this issue doesn't just start and stop with the players and the coaches it goes all the way to the top with Dave Scott and Valerie Camilla. And that's who wasn't really discussed that much. I mean, Dave Scott was brought up a couple of times during the year-end press conference, but in this instance, it was focusing on players and coaches and development.
0: I agree with you. And the point is is that, yes, while a lot of you could put on Dave Scott and Valerie Camilla, I think more of the problem that the Flyers fans are missing here. And this is part of wearing their heart on sleeve. Now, I'll be honest with you. I used to be that way back in the day. Yeah. Over the years, I've kind of seen you know the the bigger vision about where this needed to go. I don't think Hex still had a big vision, and in all due respect, I don't. And I don't. And if, it, if he did, I didn't understand it to a point where it was articulated well enough so I could see. It. Well, he,
1: if you remember, very early on in his tenure as GM, he said that he likes draft picks. He doesn't like giving them up for right, uh, t- for for vet- risky veteran talent, which is something mm-hmm. that Chuck does. Like he does take risks on. Better in town. It's what happened here with Ryan Ellis. Ryan Ellis does have an injury history, yeah. and that's what happened here. Um, the problem with Hexdahl was he would use those draft picks and then he would just stash them and da- or draft them and dash them. And Correct. you would have no idea what would be going on. I mean, Carter Hart was had, you had to twist their arm to finally bring Carter Hart up into Correct. the league in december of 18 like yeah. that's what we're talking about here and that's what the downfall of fletcher was or excuse me what hextall was so right right yeah you know. I,
0: I think you needed someone to make, and this is the thing is that at the time people were like they got to make a change you got to get rid of the coach and the thing is they you know, i think people were shocked when it was hextall who went first rather than hackstall
1: mm-hmm. um
0: and I, I think people were really surprised by that and and i know i was i was like whoa but then you the things started coming out and you're seeing behind the scenes that it wasn't going as the plan. They were getting a, the, the franchise was getting a little impatient. I understand that, but here's this this what people don't understand, and they're going to sit here and say, "Oh, you're just making excuses." That's not what you're seeing today. Is the fallout of the Hexel era. Now, the reason why people bring up 1920 or Fletcher brought up 1920 a lot is because that was the last time they really got a full 82 size 82 game for the most part. A 60 game sample with a healthy team, and and that's things that they got COVID. A lot of them got COVID following year, and then this year, they weren't playing well to start, and they got injuries, and everything just went to shit really early. Yep. The, the reason they bring up Nike to do it is to say, look, we've seen it happen in the past. The problem that Chuck Fletcher is going to have this summer, and I think that people really need to brace themselves for is that, and I've said this for years on this podcast, it takes two to tango. Yeah. They have to rely on player movement and trades now in order to upgrade the team because they don't have enough in the pipeline right now to really build a young team internally, like a Tampa Bay, a Carolina, um, you know, uh, Colorado throughout the years, um, you know, Toronto. They don't have that talent right now. They don't. And in order for them to get that, that takes time. You need you need capital, you need draft picks, you need to move players in and out and stuff like that. Now, in order to upgrade the team to a point, they need to target players who might be on the move, worry about the financial aspect of it, and then make it that way. So that way they can make the team better because there just isn't enough in the pipeline for players to come up and have an immediate impact. And the players don't have enough talent down there as of right now because they've been in that mediocre stage where they're getting mid first round picks. They don't have that top-end talent that can come here and really turn this thing around right? By, by one player. Now, with that being said, what people need to look out for is that there could be a situation where it was like 2021 where he tried to go get a replacement for Nat- Matt Niskanen and our 1920 to, you know, to 2021, where yeah. he tried to go get an upgrade for Matt Niskanen after retiring and he wasn't able to do it. You, you, I think you might see a little more player movement this summer because everybody's trying to get better, but financial implications might be the problem there. So you might have to move some contracts out and there might be some shuffling that they might be willing to do internally because they want to see how this team is, is is healthy. And I think that that's could be something that could be a downfall for the summer. So with Chuck Fletcher right now, He's putting a lot of risk because he's got to make sure he nails this coaching search. The franchise needs to do that. That's priority number one, even before player moves. And I'm glad to nail that.
1: And I'm glad that they're not setting them. Like, look, I, I realize I I anticipate it'll be before then, but I think it was Sam that asked him at the at the press conference that Mm -hmm. said, do you have a timeline for when you want a deadline of when you want to hire your coach? And he said, no. I mean, obviously, uh, uh, trying to get them hired before the draft is is important, but it's not the end all be all because the GM is the guy that has to make these picks. But it's a collaboration effort. I'm glad they're not putting pressure on themselves. My guess is we will have a new coach by the time the draft starts, not necessarily draft lottery, which I think is usually in the Stanley cup, one of the Stanley cup final games, isn't it? Or mm-hmm. one of the Eastern conference get or the conference finals games. But when we figure out where the flyers are drafting, which is likely number four uh, overall, unless some crazy stuff happens and they get the top pick. Like, I, I don't think it is a, Hey, we need a coach in here. So it, to to get their research done, to get their interviewing done and figuring out who can navigate this ship because Again, it goes back to my point about you're not navigating a ship of uh, Ottawa players that are all it's all young players that are developing and trying to figure out their system. It is a com- it is a tough navigation to do because it is a combination of seasoned veterans like Sean Couturier, uh, Travis Konechny, because uh, and Ryan Ellis and you end the guys like Carter Hart, Noah Cates that you might, Cam York you have a lot of faith in, mm-hmm. uh, Bobby Brinks, Ronnie Addard. Like These kids are going to be playing in the NHL in the next two years, hopefully. Not right. necessarily next year, but certainly will be in the conversation in two years. So you have to find that coach that can't just uh, adhere his system to the veterans. He has to have an a integral of a – combination of both otherwise this thing's going to blow up in their face so the the fact that they're taking time uh to do it is 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 meaningful
0: yeah and i and here's and here's the here's the big key is that don't look at just names like tortoral always comes up to being around a lot but i'm so
1: tired of the same old the old boys club like forget it i right the the bobby brudeaux of the world or wherever like bruce Bruce brujo sorry Uh, and, and Ron Hextall, or Ron, I keep Ron Hextall, John Tortorella. <laughs> yeah. Like these guys, I don't want anywhere near this franchise. Yeah. You know that they're not fun. Look at yeah. what, what, how Ron, uh, I keep saying Ron, look at how John Tortorella looks at how this league is. He's a curmudgeon. Yeah. F him. We don't yeah. need this kid, this dude in the... in the. He's in the, in the type
0: the of guy scene. who would scream at Trevor uh, Zegris and Troy Terry for making fun plays in the NHL. It's yep. bad for the game. Shut up, yep. dude. Like, like, stay on like, TNT and be the yeah. old guy that yells at yeah. the cloud. listen, sometimes and that's the thing, and that's not a bad thing, is that he's got an old school look, and that's the thing, but as far as, but it's not going to work on today's game, because you know yep. why? Well, you just had a vineyard. He had a you had a Tortorella type in Vigneault, and that didn't work out too and well.
1: And it it almost worked, but it blew up in their face after. Right. After well, I
0: mean, the message goes thin after a while. That's people exactly. rise. That's why, like yep. those like, guys like Peter Laviolette, like do that. You know, they yep. they, they just they have not coaches have a shelf up. I mean, like, let's be honest here. You know, John Cooper was hired in March 2013 with Tampa. Lately, he's the longest NHL uh, tenure head, head, head coach. The the other one behind him is Mike Sullivan. That was December of 2015. Yeah. So and he was an interim to won the cup that year. So. You're you're talking like coaches generally don't stay long. And other than that, you're seeing the long generally you're seeing 18, 19, 20, 21. Like they there's a lot of turnover in that position. Yeah. But don't focus on a guy like John Tortorella. Look at names. Don't look at Rick Tocket either. I'll be honest with you. I'm sure they have him on the short list. But you know, some guys are probably like, eh, it's not the right fit for me, or I don't want to do that, or I want to stay in broadcasting. Don't be surprised if it's some sort of guy either coming in from uh from a junior from a junior league. Yep. Which is okay because you have a guy like
1: WHL, OHL, yeah, kind of thing. Yeah.
0: DeBoer, he was about kind of go John Hines, like those are types of coaches like that, like Sheldon Keith, like as always, as as much as, you know, I have issues with Toronto. Sheldon Keith is a guy who's proven he can win, has a proven track record down in the in, in lower levels of hockey, you know. So, That's what you want to, that's what you want to look at is that it's, it's about what the guy is going to bring and what he's going to do. And that's what they need to look for. It's not about names. So people say, go talk at Tortorella. They can't, Uh, you know, if Barry Trotz becomes or Rod Brindemore, you know, I know I harped on the Rod Brindemore chain, and I would jump on that. But Ron Brindemore
1: is Rod Brendamore is the only guy I would be like, yeah, he, but he just
0: signed an extension. I don't exactly. think he's going to be moving. And Carolina's
1: in the middle problems. of the playoffs right now. Right. Like they're not. They're not moving on from no, Rod no, any they're, any not, they're not. They're not. There was that weird it. controversy after last year, but that was that was it. Like there was right. there was no real. But like you said, once he signed the extension, that's it.
0: Right. Exactly. So I think it's, I think overall, the, the, the fans really have to take a perspective of where the organization vision is going. Like Chuck knows what's on, you know, what's, 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 in, what's at stake here. He knows, he knows. And, he, does. Uh, and, and he, again,
1: he, he, it goes to, I think if people were to, if we were to put everyone on a, on a, uh, on a, uh, on a lie detector test mm-hmm. and say, who do you trust more? Uh, Chuck Fletcher, Dave Scott, Valerie Camilla. Everyone that says Valerie Camilla and, and and Dave Scott are lying to themselves, like they people trust want to trust Chuck Fletcher more than those people. Right. The problem is that those those two are above Chuck and they have final say in terms of money allocation and everything like it's that. Really, it's
0: really Dave Scott. It's right. really Dave Scott. Right. Like Val runs the business side of the you know the organization. With it's stuff, so
1: so it's tough for me because as long as they're there. Whatever Chuck does, or it sounds like Chuck has the vision that he wants, but do does Dave Scott and Valerie Camilla share that or reciprocate that? Because if they don't, that's where the problem lies and where there's going to be an issue here for the Flyers for the next ten years or whatever you, the number is.
0: You're gonna you're gonna you're gonna go nuts when I say this, but I, this is my last thing I'll say about this before before we move on. You have to give that people opportunity to make mistakes. And oh. they go, oh, hang on. Did they go oh. the wrong way? Did they go the wrong way? Did, did Steve Scott and Valley Camilla go the wrong way with their business strategy? 150% they did. Yep. But Chuck Fletcher hit the nail on the head saying the revenues will come in and the people will come back once the team is good. Again, we can sit here. Yes, and but how take- long does it take Hang on? Hang on. okay, Hang on. Let me finish my point. It can be people can be really annoyed with the fact that, you know, they, the Flyers didn't do much as far as until later in the season after the fan opened a town hall with things regarding, you know, uh, the business. I, they started making corrections for that, and I, I respect that. They're trying. They're trying. They're really looking at this and saying, okay, that. what are we got to do? Okay, you got, you got it. They, they've seen it doing everything. They give a tribute to Mr. Snyder owners, you know and all that, and I thought that was excellent. They brought, you know, his daughters in to sit in the club box. I, I respect that a lot. They're, you can tell they're trying it comes out of this is that everything is under the microscope, even 10 times more because they were been really bad the last two seasons. Yep. But Chuck Fletcher hit the nail on the head. So regardless of everything, regardless of everybody complaining about Dave Scott, Val Camillo, everything along those lines, the revenues will come back. The people will fill those seats when the team is good again. And that's why it's priority number one. You know, it it, it's a result. It's a result. They're 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 in the entertainment business and their entertainment business through hockey and they need to make sure they nail that people will come back and people won't complain as much when the team is good, because you know why? They won't have the little things to pick around because the team isn't exciting enough for noticing those. So yeah, I don't think that's my hot take. I think that's an apps. That's it's a, it's evaluation. a thought out take. Yeah. It is.
1: A, it is. A, it's a good take. It, it's not, it, it's nothing, anything. I think people can like shake their head at, go, right. come up to you and say, how dare you say that? Yeah. Um,
0: I do have a quick hot take, though. People need to calm their asses down. Like, relax. Like, the guy who's yeah. job. Like, come on. Like, I, I, I agree. I, I, I just chill. Like, yes, I you're s- pissed off. They've been bad the last two seasons, but they've had the worst of luck the last two seasons. Everything Murphy's Law has happened. They want to sit there and pit and, you know, chuck this, chuck that. that he should be gone. Like, no. Like, you have to start over if you fire him and you're closer than you think. I Mark it, mark it down right now. It is Sunday. May eighth, Mother's Day, twenty twenty two. The Flyers are closer to being competitive playoff team than you think. Yeah, they are, and I will eat my words next year if we're sitting here in May and not talking about them in the playoffs.
1: All right, Mark. I it will down. eat my will... words. Mark, <laughs> that, 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 this mark this that. clip is, is down, going all bro. over. It's going right. all around our socials. Yes, on our Twitter that's what it is. at closer... on Our TikTok. It's all of it. Um... <laughs> they are closer than you think. Just calm the hell down and let yeah. the man do his job. Uh, a couple of things that I, that just random things that came up th- throughout the press conference. Um, he spoke pretty highly of Ivan Fedotov uh, speaking that yeah. at the time it was before he eventually signed this now one year ELC. Um, he basically said he's going to compete for uh, that number two role behind Carter Hart. I think that is a fantastic idea. We, you and I have talked about how uh, going back and forth on a veteran keeper number two behind Carter or go young and just try and use that as a motivation for Carter. If if he's speaking to his t- t- truth to light about Fedotov and uh, Felix Antrim are going to be the two guys that are going to push Carter Hart, I think that's a great plan because like I've said, I think we're at a point in Carter Hart's career where he had the bounce back year this year after last year's disappointment. I think there's more. Uh, what much more upside? I mean, we're talking about a kid that is entering his, I think Fletcher said his fourth year uh, as, a, as a starter, mm-hmm. and he's only 23. You yeah. only, usually only see this stuff kind of happen around 26, right. 27, later. Right. In his, right. So the fact that we're at this point with Carter Hart, I think you can take the proverbial training wheels off of him because it's it, you know what he is at this point you know right. last year was a fluke i think you can try and take a risk here in terms of fedotov and, or santrum and in, in in backing him up especially because go if you have not if this is the first time you've heard of ivan I, ivan fedotov's name go look at his numbers in the olympics this past february for russia i mean my god they are nothing to sneeze at i think they were flirting at 945 a little bit less and he just absolutely dominated and then he dominated again in the khl playoffs and thankfully he we, you got him over here there was controversy obviously uh amid the war in ukraine that he has nothing to be a part of has nothing no role in so but because of the sanctions trying to get him over here thankfully he's over here so right now that he's over here see what he can do in the nhl it's going to take time and I know you're going to go into this. I'll let you handle it. I, get, adapting to the smaller ring size and, and all that, that's going to be the challenge that he faces for sure.
0: I just get a little bit nervous when you it, it, honestly nervous because listen, we just saw Felix Sandstrom come in here and have a small sample size. Does Not Felix enough. Sandstrom-
1: I can, I, I, I don't mean to interject. I, I say he deserved a few more games than he got. Uh, I, I know that they wanted to lean on Martin Jones. But like that's the season was obviously lost at that point. Why not see what you have in Sandstrom for those last uh,
0: Agreed. Games agreed. Or was. But I think that part of it too is that are you going to bring, does Sandstrom look like a guy? We can't really give a good answer who can play 30 games in the 30, 35 games in the NHL at next season. No, I don't think no, If you're uh, trying to yeah. be a competitive team. That's not the guy.
1: Especially because he's a free. Is he a restricted yeah, player? Yeah, he's a free. No, he's unrestricted. Unrestricted. He's unrestricted. Okay. Yeah.
0: So, and he's battled some injuries and he's worked really hard at it, but I think he's at an opportunity where he's ready to break through, but he needs a team that's going to wheel and to give him that shot. I don't know if the Flyers are ready to do that. I get nervous, and I, I use the word nervous, is because while you can make comparisons and say, you know what, like a guy like Igor Shesterkin came over and he's played really well with that. Um, I, I'm not sure how I feel about bringing a, a guy – to, to come in and back up Carter Hart, who's his first year in the NHL, like his first year over in the North American
1: game. Right. Yeah. Right. right.
0: My, my concern is not because I don't have, you know, confidence in Ivan Fedotov and his size and what he can do as far as numbers and stuff. That's not, that's not the issue. The issue is, is that if you're trying to really push for a playoff spot next year, you need stability in that position. Carter Hart, regardless of how well he's played and everything, does have an injury history. He's missed some time. That's the thing. And look what happened at the end of the season. Yes, if he would at the end of the season, he would have played, you know, yeah, I think we
1: yeah, getting. we both agree with that. And heard so
0: that. when they shut him down, the problem is, is that Carter Hart once again only played about like 45 something game. He played about 50 games. So you still need to get 30 about 30 start, 30 starts from um uh from from a backup goaltender. And that's where my issue comes in, is that you can't just expect the guy from the KHL to come in here and get 30 starts and give you good 30 starts. Because, look, Carter Hart only started 45 games this year. That's, th- that's the 37 games that he did not play in. So that's a concern because you're – I told about that window between 50 and 55 games that you want to have your goaltender play. He still has not played more than that. 45 games is the most he's played in his entire career, okay? So – and that's only by two games. And so we went 31 in 18, 19, 43 in 19, 20, 20 21 was 27, 21, 22 was 45. So if you're going to have a goaltender that can't pull out 50, 55 games, you need someone reliable to come in and, and do that. Now you're not in the days anymore where you're going to run 60 games, but you got to give them time to acclimate. So whether you you bring back Martin Jones, which if I were Chuck, I don't for money. I think if there's a reason Martin Jones has come back, it's because of money reasons. I don't think it's because, you know, he wasn't, he didn't do a job because I thought Martin Jones, he had his highest safe percentage in three seasons on a bad team and 900 went on a worse team on a, on a team at the same size. It's a it, it, skill wise. The past couple seasons, it's been under 900 here. He hit 900 for a backup. You, yeah, he did all he could on a, on a, on a tough team. Yep. So with Ivan Fedotov, I think it's in the Flyers' best interest to do one of two things. One, sign a veteran, Martin Jones, or someone who's available out there on the cheap who can has NHL experience, who can play 20-something NHL games, who's got a wealth of experience. Here. Yes, might be in the backside of his career, but like, like a Brian Elliott situation, you're not asking the guy to play 35. You're not every single night. You're, you're asking him to play about 30 games You know, probably every third game to play. I don't think someone coming in from the KHL is ready to do that right off the bat. I think it would be best if they brought in Fedotov, yes, compete for that second job, but give it time in the NHL to really adjust, to really say, even if it's only for partial of the season.
1: Yeah, because yeah, because it could be a Carter Hart situation where he's just lambasting everything, and and, and Ivan Provorov in the AHL, where it's like correct. this kid's too good to be down here. Let's let's give him a shot up up in the 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 big league.
0: Yeah, and I and I think that. When, and that would be the case because if 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 Carter does get injured hopefully he doesn't hopefully he can play 50 55 games next season but yeah because like you done. said
1: because like you said yeah he has injuries uh, but he would have played if they were competing for a playoff spot or in the playoffs for this Correct. particular injury that he had at late in this season so yeah he has injury concerns but I i, I don't know if he's the the injury prone guy Guy. No, 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 no! I'm not, yeah. I'm not, I'm
0: not, I'm not saying that. I'm saying you need a goal. He's not like a, he's not an injury-prone guy per se, but he's gotten banged up to the point where yep. some, he's had to miss some time, and that's what I'm saying is that if you you need a you need a goaltender coming here who can help you win games. Yep. Like, and it's not again, it's not about confidence in Ivan Fedotov. There's a confidence in his ability from what I've seen. His numbers look really good. It's just. I think there for goaltending, what people don't understand is that it's not just plug and play like, oh, you just need to stop the puck. Right. It's different. The rink size is different. The communication is different. The way they play is different. There's a lot more crashing the net. You know, there's it's it's a lot more of the game is a little bit different where you need to adjust to it. It's not that he can't do a good job or eventually do 30 starts in the NHL. It's just that coming in here and throwing him into the wolves and the fire in the NHL is not the best thing you could do for a goal. It's player. not
1: fair either. Like it, it, for a player development, That it's certainly not fair for
0: Especially them. goaltending. Because goaltending yeah. is a long time to develop. Now he's 25 years old, so he's older than most players coming over. He's 25 yeah. already to begin with. So that is a benefit. But you don't want to get into a Mikko Koskinen situation either where you have a guy who has a wealth of talent and you get in here and God, he's just not, something's missing from him. He has hot and cold, hot and cold. We've seen that in the past, I've seen Ontario did like, you know, hot and cold, hot and cold. You, you Give him a time to adjust. And yep. then after that, you know, get a veteran on the cheap or re-sign Martin Jones. If you have no other option, you have to go in, then you got to go with it, but you're taking a risk there. Um, and you're going to be, be leaning on Carter Hart to play more games. I just think for the best interest of the team, the best interest of Carter Hart, I think it's worth for one more season before with Fedotov yeah. to, to, to let them have a veteran goaltender to move forward. And, you know, I'm not going to sit here and make judgments on on Fedotov's play specifically because I haven't seen enough of it, to be honest with you, to make a full evaluation. So I can't tell you style, all that stuff. Six seven, the numbers that he's posting to KHL, obviously. And, the, you know, the, the Olympics, he's actually got some skill. You know, he's a big guy reflexes obviously you're probably really well 25 is entering the prime of his career and just adjusting that north american game while it's easy for some goalies give it time take the safe route get a guy you can get in here and uh, that's you know that that, i think that's the best role that they can do but financial implications might be the problem there so we have to wait and see what happens but i think the backup goaltender position is a bigger bigger deal that people think
1: uh uh, two other things that i took away uh i mean the most not, I guess the most upsetting, I guess is the word like Sam Moran's career is over. I I, I can't believe it's, it's pretty shocking that it, this kid is calling it a career. Um, after the, as Fletcher put it, there's just too much damage to the knee. Uh, I mean, I think it's been at least three ACL tears or some sort of soft tissue tear, uh, to Sam, to Sam's knee. So he's not going to be, uh, Playing for the Flyers anymore, he's going to be. They said they'll find a role for him. Because uh, I mean, he clearly is a is a hockey mind that they can try and tap into. So, but it just it, it you never want to see. It. I know Sam Moran's career wasn't exactly anything that we anticipated or or thought it would be. But I mean, you never want to see a kid like that have to cut call it uh quits that this soon in 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 his uh, in his tenure.
0: Uh, agreed, and. You know, it sucks because, you know, Sam battled through a lot and, you know, as soon as as early as last season, we were talking to him last season, like, oh, he coming in like he scored his first goal, you know, because this could be the turning point. And we kind of looked at it and said, guy with an injury history coming in here, being a turning point for the Flyers and being a guy you lean on is not exactly a winning formula. You know, I think it was, um, I think it was uh, Chris Terry was saying at the beginning of the season that, you know, like that that knee injury is worse than what it is. And they were saying, no, no, it's going to be fine it'll be fine. But. You know what? It, it is a shame because Moran did have a lot of potential and every time he yeah. got very close, he got hurt again. And it's just that's the worst like you can have. But I respect the fact he looked at this and say, you know what? Like, don't feel bad for me. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I I, I really respect the guys. Like, hey, you know what? Like, this is the card that I was dealt. I am a huge believer and everything happens for a reason. So maybe there is a reason why he's not playing and if they're trying to find a different role for him on the team where he could be much more beneficial because. You have a young guy like that. Like he's, I think, he's like what, um, uh, two that drafted. He can't be older than twenty six. Yeah, yeah, 25, 26 years old. Yeah. You know, you have a young guy coming in who's going to get the core development of his career in, in like a front office type setting or something in the end. You know, another another role. It's a long time to develop a guy, and it's really good for internal development, which I think is really undervalued, and people don't see that. But that's part of the bigger vision. But the fact that they want to keep Mike Yeo and saying, "Hey, look." He wasn't the head coach guy. It was a bad situation, but we want to keep him because we see that we see the potential in him. We want to have, you know, um, a guy like Sam Moran where he can't play for us, but we want to find a role for him in the organization. Wouldn't you want that at your job? Like yeah, you know, yeah. and, and I honestly think about it, that perspective, like you say, like, oh, what are these guys doing? Like, like, no, like they respect people and they value these people and they they realize that there's potential there and they want to create roles for them. And ultimately, that's what you want in any kind of company or business. And I really respect the fact that, yeah, he can't play anymore, but we like that everything he's been through and he battled and he's tough. And you know what? We want to keep this guy around our organization because he—he he means that much to us. That's all you can ask for, man. It's absolutely yeah. incredible. So, I, I congratulations, Sam, on your on your career. You're one of the few people in the world who have to play in the NHL and score a goal. Um, you know, and he's right. He says, "Don't feel bad about you know, don't feel bad for me. It's Like. I, like he's he got to accomplish his dream as best he could, and he got some bad luck, and he worked his worked his way back to get as best he could. But you know what? I, I give him credit for saying, you know what? It's just I I can't play anymore, but there's time to do something else. And God bless you, man. That's awesome. That's
1: awesome. Yeah. Uh <laughs> I've been saving this one for the for the end. Uh, this is the you most, take
0: this one, My, this I know where most, you're going with this.
1: This is the most absurd thing I've, I think I've read. Look, uh, the Flyers in a short for next season are already down two hundred ninety-five thousand dollars in cap space because of two bonuses they issued. One of them was eighty-two thousand dollars to Ronnie Ronnie Adder because he played because uh, of games played. He played in the NHL fine by me, good for Ronnie because he wasn't anticipated to play here in his contract, good for you. get your money. Joel Faraby was awarded two twelve thousand dollars for in bonuses for finishing as the one of the top four def, uh, forwards in the plus minus category. That sounds great and all. Good for you, Joel Ferriby. The problem is go look at the stats. Joel Farabee for the 2021-2022 season was a minus 11 in plus minus. At what point are we going to realize that we cannot award bonuses to players that get, look, I know it's in the contract, but you had to have thought about a clause If you're the Flyers and say, yeah, but if you're within a threshold of minus seven or worse, we're not going to give it to you because everything went to hell and we suck and we're terrible. And clearly something went wrong. Like this is basic contract negotiation. But I guess Joel Farabee's agent, whoever they are, good for you. Good, like good, good for your client to get that money. But now, look, $295,000 doesn't sound like a lot. But when you're talking about a team that's going for the aggressive retool, you need as much dollars and cents as you can find to help this team out. So now you're down $295,000. And think about it this way, Scott. Uh-huh. The salary cap only went up a million dollars for this year. It was anticipated yep. to be a, a flat cap. So yep. thankfully, it went up to a million dollars. Now you're dealing with about 800000 or excuse me, around 700000 Less money than the rest of the year.
0: Well, listen. That's Joel an entry Farab- level contract. Joel Joel Farab, agent is also representing James Rand Freemsteig. So if he's able to score him, okay, there we go. That makes sense. Open market. Then yes, good for his agent Sean Hunwick, and being able to do that. Listen, I I I look at it this way. Yes, I don't think the team anticipated being a minus eleven would be one of the top best. Yeah, I don't think they anticipated that. Uh, but listen. At the end of the day, the agent did his job, said, Hey, if my client gets this, he gets a bonus. Okay, great. The fire's probably like, Yeah, pushing me really good. They probably didn't anticipate that bad. But, but you know what? I think they learned a lesson here on out. And it goes back to what we were saying before that people make mistakes, but they got to learn from them. So, yep. I, I just <laughs> minus 11. Oh, yeah.
1: Minus Dude, 11 is pretty yeah, absurd. You
0: were really bad. Here's more money.
1: <laughs> yeah. Derek, Derek <laughs> Broussard.
0: I don't know what is.
1: Yeah, Derek Broussard ended with what? Like a minus 38, 37, something absurdly bad. Uh, uh, for- Keith Yandel was minus 47. Keith Yandel, 47. that's what I'm thinking of.
0: Yeah, Keith Yandel was minus 47. Uh, Derek Broussard was actually a plus six.
1: I was going to say, Derek mar- Derek might have been the only, was Sixth. he the only plus?
0: Uh, no, there was a couple. So Ryan Ellis was a plus two. Uh, okay. Yeah, you know points. what?
1: I'm going to give you the first go fuck yourself on this podcast telling me Ryan Ellis ended the season after a plus minus after playing four he had goddamn five games. 5 points in four games. I it understand that. Too. But he only played four games, Scott. <laughs> fuck off with t- including Ryan Ellis in that stat. Okay. Who
0: finished team best plus minus this season? Don't look.
1: Uh it honestly might be jvr
0: all right hang on so justin braun finished with a plus three okay Noah Kate's a plus four all right okay, but so again nine point nine points in 16 games okay
1: okay 16 Derek games is- was
0: a blessing this player played 80 games and finished the with the team with a plus nine connect me oh god no I was gonna say, that <laughs> I yeah. Connect me a plus player. That's hilarious.
1: Um, it's the only player I could think of at the time.
0: Travis Sanheim.
1: Oh, that makes sense. I mean, look, we we talked about how Travis Sanheim was yeah. was flipped the script on the question marks between him and Provorov. And by the way, I can't believe we 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 missed this. Uh, Bert, um, Fletcher spoke about the Provorov stuff about how they asked a lot of it out of him. Out of him. He averaged 25 minutes a game mm-hmm. uh, this season, and he still showed up. to He he had some criticisms, but I mean, it sounds like a co a GM that is trying to m- not mend bridges, but trying to keep a player around because i think they do want to keep provarov around as we've talked about the last couple of weeks despite the rumors circulating so i'm curious what the future holds for ivan provarov that's for sure
0: i think they're trying to hit the reset button so after hearing chuck it ended i think a lot of speculation for some i looked just and said okay this sounds like a guy to me he's not going to run it back he's going to make some upgrades as best he can again it takes two to tango but he also is banking on the fact of getting the right coach in here, getting the team healthy and saying, I think we have all the pieces here in place. We just need to put them together. That's yep. exactly what it is. Yeah. We need to take the time to put it together. You have all the wood, you have all the tools, you're ready to build that house, but it's been raining outside. And you haven't been able to you know, set the foundation, you know, to, set, to put everything up. Honestly, I think that's what it is. And then, you know, I just love doing weird analogies like that too, but it's, it's, um, it's the, it's the truth. Yeah. It took you a second. I know. <laughs> uh, I, I think it's very big for people to understand that again, he's going to do whatever he can to get this team going in the right direction. And I think it's huge. The fact I give him a lot of credit saying, look I, you know, the, the, the bigger vision here is X. We're not there yet. Yeah. And I think that some of this is cleaning up the pieces from the Hexel era with all due respect, not putting blame on anybody else. We mentioned it before. Players coming in here, not doing what they need to do. Nailing the coach is step one. Step two is continuing developing your young guys who need to replace Claude Giroux in the leadership thing at stand at this point and take over the team. And I think that's all relative. I think that getting a coach in here who can empower them to do that with a fresh set of eyes, a fresh, uh, fresh perspective is going to be very beneficial for this team. And I'm telling you, and I will say it one more time Mother's Day, May 8th. 2022, they are closer than you think. So yeah, so you know what, Bill, go fuck yourself.
1: <laughs> well done. All right, that's gonna do it. Episode 115 of Orange and Backcheck. Give us what your thoughts. What was your reaction after seeing that press conference with Chuck Fletcher? Orange and Backcheck at gmail.com Give us your thoughts. Uh, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all that good stuff. Orange and Backcheck podcast at o Backcheck on Twitter. At Orange and Backtrack Podcast on Instagram. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you next time.
0: I understand my connection rules. There we go. Thank you, stupid Bluetooth mouse piece of shit.